Hello, and welcome to the Tanager Place podcast. My name is Nicole Kilberg, and I am the Outpatient Clinic Office Manager. If you're not familiar with Tanager Place, we are a nonprofit based in Cedar Rapids, serving the behavioral needs of children and their families. We have both inpatient and outpatient programs, as well as community-based services. Our mission is simple, to provide services to families that inspire, empower, and heal. We're living through some pretty uncertain times right now with COVID-19 moving across the world, the U.S., and currently through our communities here in the state of Iowa. Our routines have been disrupted, and it feels like there is nothing but unknowns as far as how long the pandemic will last, when we're going to be able to return to work, and when we can stop social distancing. This all feels very isolating. This uncertainty feels scary for children, but also adults. We know from research, however, that while times like this can be traumatic, they can also be times of growth and resilience. We're bringing you a four-part mini-series, Resilience in the Times of Uncertainty, where we'll talk a little bit about the four indicators of well-being that we can look to foster in ourselves and our children to help us get through these times in a way that is mentally as healthy as possible. These indicators are safety, belonging and connection, meaning and purpose, and efficacy. They come from the RISE framework of resiliency that we are implementing throughout our programs at Tanager Place. This framework was developed by Tanya Hotchkin, our Vice President of Clinical Services. Tanya will be on a later episode of the podcast to talk more about the model as a whole. So for this mini-series, we'll be focusing just on the four indicators and practical ways to cultivate them during the pandemic. I'm here today with Blake Stevenson, Autism Program Manager. Blake will be focusing on safety in today's episode. Blake, to start with, can you tell us a little bit about the indicator of safety and why it's important? Sure. What a great question there, Nicole. So as I might define safety, it's kind of this felt sense of predictability, security, and consistency. And it's just not on a physical level. It's also on like a physiological and even a psychological level. So there should be some common understanding when we think of safety, especially around like expectations, support, and the accountability to safeguard trust and respect. More specifically, clarity and communication is really key for establishing safety. We need to make sure that we understand each other in order to know if we have the same expectations. And when we apply this perspective to children, we have to remember that children really thrive on routine and predictability. And as the adults, it's kind of our responsibility to make sure we are providing that for children. Parents need to make sure if they tell their child that they will do something with them or for them, that they follow through with that expectation as often as they can. And if they're unable to, that they do something to apologize, like apologize or repair the trust in the relationship. Acts of nurturing a child, for instance, feeding them, bathing them, putting them to bed, or reading a book, are all things that help establish a sense of safety, and they're all things that we need to help meet their needs. We know from research that we don't need to be perfect at doing this. But, however, we do need to be as consistent as possible and to make an effort out of making things better when we do make mistakes. Can you give some examples of how the pandemic may have shaken a child's sense of safety? Yeah, well, this is going to be really individual for every kid. But one of the more apparent ways would be in disrupted routines. So many families, mine included, have lost a sense of security and consistency in their work and their school days. The virus itself poses a real threat to our physical well-being and that of our loved ones. There's a lot of uncertainty, and we don't really know how long this situation will last. Not only is this scary for adults, but it can be much more apparent for a child. But there are some very concrete things parents can do to help find their own security right now, as well as encourage that same sense in their child. 
Can you share with us some of those practical ways that parents can encourage that sense of safety um, if it's for themselves or for their children right now? Most definitely. First and foremost, social distancing is a big one. Have an honest conversation with your child in an age-appropriate way why we are all staying apart as much as possible right now. Share with them why they can't go to school to see their friends or even play on playgrounds. Help them understand that it's a way of keeping all of us safe and healthy. Another one would be to limit conversations and news watching around the virus, especially when your kids are around. Talk to them in age-appropriate ways about what's going on, but try not to frighten them with too much information. Another practical way is to establish a sense of routine uh, to create some sense of consistency. It doesn't need to be as structured as a school day, but there should still be some reliable, dependable things in a child's day. It's okay to be flexible with your day, especially since many parents are also stretched out. So the schedule should make sense around your own family's lifestyle, but still have some sort of predictability. Another idea to consider would be to create a self-care kit. Now, you can kind of fill this kit with items that help your child feel secure. It can be anything from a familiar book or a stuffed animal to stress balls or worry stones or little hand sanitizer packages or disinfecting wipes. Really, whatever's going to help your child have a sense of safety. Most importantly, when thinking about a self-care kit, really have an open conversation with your child about what he or she would want to put in it. Work on it together and have conversations while you're doing it. Are there any specific activities that you can use with your clients that maybe we can adapt um, as parents and use at home with our own children? Sure, yeah. I do want to kind of backtrack to one of the points I made earlier around establishing a routine and creating a sense of consistency. I think this is one of the areas that we can really work together on to try to build that for kiddos. So when we consider setting a routine, I'd recommend trying to have maybe a visual schedule. So much of the world right now relies on visuals that if we don't have that at home, it could create some more sense of inconsistency. You may be seeing that your child is spending a lot of time on screens as well. That's totally okay, but it does create some interesting issues as we try to transition from screen times to maybe family times or other activities in their day. So some recommendations to consider would be to give 30-minute, 15-minute, whatever kind of a warning you need to help prime your child for the transitions that's to come. In my field, in autism programming, one of the things that we really work on is forecasting for our clients. We try to have a very discreet, upfront conversation about what we are going to work on in the day and what we plan to accomplish. And then we also review, you know, some consequences for following through with those actions. Um, And then what happens if we are unable to meet those expectations? But really, any kind of sense of structure that works for your family's lifestyle is going to go a long way to help creating a sense of safety for your child. Could you explain a little bit what might happen if you say you have five minutes until you have to turn the tablet off, and then when it's time to turn the tablet off, there's a big tantrum or aggression, or they're just not wanting to do that. What, as a parent, might you do to kind of walk them through that? Yeah. Yeah, I imagine this could be something that a lot of parents are seeing. Before COVID, this was a barrier that some of the families I worked with often experienced. And one of the ways that we would tackle this would be, if you're only giving a five-minute warning, consider giving more frequent warnings in advance. Another thing to consider would be to have a physical timer that could count down the time that's remaining, something that that kiddo can see and connect to. It's a little bit more tangible than trying to count back in your head. But one of the more realistic measures that I work with families on is just understanding that behaviors like this are going to come up. 
This is a time of high stress and anxiety, not only for parents, but as well for children. And that can manifest in a lot of different ways. So if you see a large behavior come from around a transition, just remind yourself that, hey, this isn't in relation to what I'm doing with my child. It's just about a change in their expectations and what they're really being asked to do. So, Blake, I have a toddler and she's just starting to say things like she's feeling sad or feeling scared. Can you give some recommendations about how I should respond when she's bringing those things to me? Yeah. So, again, this is going to be individual for every family and how they kind of communicate with each other. But I think it goes a long ways for kiddos, regardless of their age, if we can model appropriate emotions as well. If your kiddo is telling you that you're feeling scared or they're feeling scared or worried, there's probably a good chance that the parent themselves is feeling it too. So I'd really recommend to validate that statement. It could be as simple as, yeah, mommy's really scared and worried about it too, but here's what we can do to feel better. To really take a solution-focused approach and not dwell so much on that child's fear or anxiety. So in a more clinical field, you know, we call this a basic reflection or a metacommunication. It's just acknowledging that child's feelings to let them know that they're not alone in experiencing it. So for some of us, no matter how hard we're going to try, we may end up in a situation where we are so overwhelmed that we do need some extra help or support and coping and reestablishing that sense of safety for ourselves or our children. We need everyone to know that there is no shame in reaching out for help. What are some things that parents should be watching for so they maybe have a sense of when it's time to reach out for extra help? Yeah, what an important question. But before I really jump into an answer, I want to circle back to something you just said. We need everyone to know that there is no shame in reaching out for help. I think this is a really important thing because, again, this is a time of uncertainty and fear. And we are all in this together. So if there's somebody out there that you trust that can help you, reach out to them. But back to your question. Some things that might be more apparent in a child's day-to-day that they could mention to you or you might observe. Um, Nightmares, panic attacks, or excessive fears of germs or other things related to being ill could be some more observant things that you might pick up from your child. Some other ones that might pop up could be restlessness, fear of going outside, trouble sleeping, or trouble concentrating, becoming obsessed with finding out information of the pandemic and the virus. For myself, I often find myself checking news sources multiple times a day for the newest rates and numbers, but in reality, all it does is perpetuate some of my fears and anxiety. If you as a parent do notice any of these things, you can always reach out to us here at Tanager Place or with a trusted healthcare provider. Tanager is continuing to serve our clients during this time, and we do have a thriving teletherapy option. So even with social distancing, Our highly skilled clinicians and talented community-based workers are here to help you cope and find solutions to your problems. Blake, thank you so much for being with us today. And I would like to give a special thank you to our producer, Josh Sarnecki, writer, Jillian Pulaski, and a thank you to our sponsor for helping fund this podcast. Reminder that we're coming to you today from Tanager Place with a four-part miniseries covering the indicators of well-being. Today, we talked about safety and we'll cover the other three indicators, efficacy, belonging and connection, and meaning and purpose in future podcasts. We can look for and encourage these indicators in ourselves and our children as we move through these uncertain times so that we can emerge strong, resilient, and healthy. 